Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Well, my name is Tevin Sims. I get the privilege of being the campus pastor here at the Charleston uh, location, and I am excited and extremely grateful for the opportunity to share God's word with you today. And like Mary Cameron said, we are starting a new series called Test Positive, and I thought it'd be a fun exercise. We won't do it, but I thought it'd be a fun exercise to turn to your neighbor and share what you thought of when you heard Test Positive, question mark, but let's not do that because we had a conversation with someone on staff and there were some crazy things that came out, so we won't do that. But whatever you thought of, it's probably not what you're thinking, right? You heard Sean say, we believe that our faith should have a positive impact on our lives in every aspect, and because of that, we should be able to live outside of these walls and have a positive impact on the world in which we live in. And so today, I get to kick it off, and so I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 In verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How many of you know we need more peace in our lives today? We need to fix our thoughts today. I want to start out by asking this question. Why has negativity become the new normal, right? Why has negativity become the new normal? I mean, you turn on the news and it's usually not good news, it's usually bad news. There's debates all the time talking about issues, just people going at each other's throats on whatever side you find yourself on. We get on social media, let's just say Facebook, right? We get into comment threads on Facebook, God help us all, it's just negative, right? Let's just say a neighborhood Facebook page, oh my goodness, those are the worst. People just going at each other. I remember one time, I used to live in this neighborhood in West Ashley. I won't say it's the neighborhood, because some of you might live there. But one time, this woman got upset because there was a turtle that got ran over. Like, somebody ran over a turtle in the road overnight. And she was so upset. She's like, you guys need to slow down. You hit this poor turtle. And people started roasting her the next morning. I'm just like, gosh, what? so negative, right? People were just roasting her. I mean, I was on vacation a couple weeks ago with my wife, and while we were there, we met this couple and was talking to the guy, and for every great compliment we had for the resort, he had two negative comments about his experience, and I'm just like, bro, why are you even here, right? And I walked away thinking to myself, I would never hang out with this guy, and we all know people like that if we're being honest, right? We all have friends like that. We definitely all have family members like that who are always negative, they always complain, they always see the glass as half empty, and their excuse for thinking that way is they're just keeping it real, right? 
but we know they're just Debbie Downers, negative Nancys, right? And here's the funny thing. If you don't know anybody like that, you probably are that somebody, okay? <laughs> Let's just own it. So if you're sitting beside that person, don't nudge them right now also. People will see. But no one likes being around the negative person, right? But if we're all in this together, if we just are honest for a second, let's just own this. Hey, we all have been that friend before. Think about it. We've all been negative before. We've all complained. We've all been just kind of maybe life draining to be around at times. If you don't think so, I'll just ask your spouse maybe, and they'll say that. Sometimes you can be a Debbie Downer. Let's just be honest, right? And I think today when we're talking about having a positive mindset, having optimism, fixing our thoughts, I think it's important that we realize that in Proverbs eleven twenty seven, the Bible says that the man who seeks good will find favor, but the one who seeks evil, evil will actually find him. It's like a vulture versus a hummingbird. What do vultures fly around looking for? Things that are dead, things that are decaying, that are smelly, dark. But what about a hummingbird? Did you know, I actually read this this week, hummingbirds don't have a great sense of smell, but they have amazing eyesight. So what do hummingbirds look for? Things that are bright and colorful, things that are connected to life, things that are sweet. I almost titled today's message, Are You a Hummingbird? But... What I decided to title today's message is, here we go again. And we've all said those words together in that phrase before, and we've probably never said it like this. Here we go again. (laughs) If you're like me, you probably said those words, and you said it like this. Here we go again. Here we go again. So, I like to say this together. Here we go again, all right? And I believe for the Jesus follower in the room today, And if you're listening online, I believe that our perspective in this life is not connected to our circumstances or our feelings, but it's connected to the faith that we have in the person of Jesus. And I believe that Jesus changes everything. And when we gather like this, we open up this book. I believe this book is alive. I believe these words are true. And I believe it has the power to change our perspectives. Because if I believe if we change the way that we think, we'll change the way that we live. And And I just believe that today... Jesus wants to change the way that we think. And when we gather like this, the goal of gathering like this is that when we walk out of this place, we're different than when we came in. And that we look more like Jesus outside these walls. Because if we look and live more like Jesus, I believe we'll put a dent in the darkness in this city and beyond. I believe that. I believe that. And if you've never made the decision, you would say, I'm not a Jesus follower. I want to communicate to the best of my ability what it might look like for you to make the decision to follow Jesus. And so, as we look at this letter... To the Philippian church, Paul writes, there are a couple observations that I want us to look at today. The first is this. Paul says, the first observation, and if you're taking notes, is a great start. Paul says, rejoice always. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, we don't use the word rejoice in our everyday language. I know I don't. So here's what Paul is basically saying. He's saying, hey, party. Hey, celebrate God every single day. And everything that you do, celebrate what God has done, celebrate what he's doing, and celebrate what he's going to do. And we have to ask ourselves, doing a little context of this passage, who is Paul talking to? He is talking to a group of believers in this church. 
he's not writing to an individual. He's writing to a church much like this, a group of believers who are following Jesus together. He's telling them to celebrate God at all times. Many scholars believe that Paul is writing this from a prison cell. That, and if we look at a historical context of Paul and who he was, we know that reading through the books of Acts, that Paul was wrongfully accused. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been bitten by a snake. Paul had every single reason to be negative. And honestly, he would have that excuse. No one, no one in here would be mad at Paul. Paul has every reason to give up, to throw in the towel, but somehow Paul is living beyond himself as he writes this letter. Paul seems to know that his perspective, his outlook on life is not connected to his circumstances or his feelings, but his faith in Jesus. And it gives Paul the strength Later in this chapter, in chapter four, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has the strength to encourage this Philippian church and with the focus of rejoicing as he starts chapter four. And I started thinking about a celebration. I started thinking about celebrations in our lives and I thought about a wedding, right? It's a celebration that we all go to and I love weddings for many of the same reasons you love weddings because it's a, such an intimate and holy moment when you watch a husband and wife declare their vows before God and before family and friends. And it's such an awesome moment. And I get that. I love going with my wife because we get to sit there and just hear the, ver- the vows that we said to one another. It's just such a special moment. But here's the real reason why I love weddings. I love the reception, right? I love the food. And I love the dance floor. I'm just going to be honest. And if you have been to a wedding with me, you know this to be true. And I'll actually rate how good a wedding is based on how popping the dance floor is. I'm judging the DJ the entire night, okay? I'm watching his cadence. I'm watching how he reads the floor. I'm seeing, does he play all the line dances at the beginning or does he space them out? Does he know how to read the room when he's got everybody on the dance floor? Does he like turn around and just play like a couple song and everybody walks off? I'm judging you. I'm watching, right? Here's what I've learned in my times dancing at weddings. When I'm out on the dance floor and I'm like electric slide and I'm just like mid-dip, if I look around, I don't see anybody on the dance floor that's angry. When I'm like doing the cha-cha slide and we're like clapping, I look around, I don't see anybody arguing on the dance floor. When I'm like Cupid shuffle, you know, like when I'm, when I'm turning, like I don't turn and look at people and just see people just upset, right? I see smiles. I see people laughing. I see people having a great time. And what's funny is when Paul starts this letter and he starts this chapter on chapter four, he's actually addressing this dispute that's happening in the church. Read it this week. The first three verses, he's actually addressing these two women who are in the church apparently. They have this beef and Paul is addressing it because they have been handling their dispute in public spaces for people to watch. That sound familiar to you? They're on Facebook arguing with one another in the comment section. And Paul starts this chapter four and says, hey, tell that woman and that woman to figure it out. That's not the reputation we need on these streets. That's what he means in verse five when he says, let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. Right? Paul is saying, hey, celebrate God at all times because when you're in the middle of a celebration, guess what? You don't have time to split all those hairs. When you're dancing the night away, nothing else in the world matters. Paul tells this church to rejoice in the Lord at all times. And remember, this is a group project. We need one another in this. 
So sometimes, just like at a wedding where maybe somebody has to push you out on the dance floor and you don't want to get out there, that's why when we gather like this, it's going to be loud. That's why when we sing songs, people are lifting up their hands. People are clapping. People are shouting praises to God because when we gather together as a church, we are thanking God and celebrating God all of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. So it's going to be a celebration up in here. And if you don't like that, if it's too loud, this may not be the church for you, just being honest. It's going to be a celebration here. And out of all the people in the world, Jesus followers have the most reason to celebrate. Why? Because our sins are forgiven. Because Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But we got to own this church. That's not the reputation that the church has been known for, is it? We've been known to be leaders in negativity. Leaders in not believing the best. And I just wonder today if we can reclaim some of that. If, if Awaken Church, if we could just reclaim some of that. That when people walk away from hanging out with us, they're like, man, I didn't realize Jesus followers could be so fun. They're the life of the party. Man, I, I was hanging out with this person and I just feel better. I don't know what it is, but I just gained so much perspective and I'm so encouraged. I wonder if we can reclaim some of that. I wonder if we can be those kind of people that when people look in and situation and circumstances, then they may be falling apart. Remember, Paul is in a prison cell when he writes this. And I believe Paul was living from beyond himself. I wonder if people can just look at us and say, why are you so happy? And we say, because God is good. You just lost your job. I know, but when we two step out here and hey, God will provide for my needs. I'm going to be okay. The doctor said, what? How can you trust God? Because I know he's working everything together for my good. I'm going to be okay. Your kids are rebelling. Your life is falling apart. Your marriage isn't working. Hey, God, God's got me. These light momentary afflictions do not compare to what's ahead of me in eternity. It's a perspective. Now, I don't believe Paul is writing this and he doesn't feel this. I believe Paul was feeling this. He's living this out in this prison cell. So if you don't mind, I want to reread it. As I close out this point, I want to reread it how I think Paul wrote it. And I'm going to read it like I feel it, okay? Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> I believe Paul had a pep in his step. I believe he had a perspective that was beyond himself. So together, we will rejoice. Together, we will celebrate. Rejoice always. The next observation that we see from Paul's letter is pray about everything. Paul says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know why I think a lot of Jesus followers are maybe negative and mean sometimes? Because we're filled with fear. We have anxiety. 
And Paul says, don't be anxious. And if you struggle with anxiety, thinking and trying not to be anxious actually makes you anxious, doesn't it? But Paul doesn't just say, don't be anxious and just end the letter. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything. So what should we pray about? Everything. Paul says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Supplication just means let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving in your heart, talk to God. Talk to God, tell him what you need. And sometimes I think when we go to talk to God, we start talking to God and using words. And we think we should talk to God about what we maybe should talk to God about. And we say things that we don't even really understand. But I like to say, hey, let's just talk to God about what's really on our hearts and minds. Let's just tell him what we're really feeling and what we're really going through. Because he already knows it anyway. One of, the, one of my favorite things about the book of Psalms is I look at King David's life and he wrote many of the Psalms. And I think it's just a look into the prayer life of David. He's pretty honest. He's pretty honest in those Psalms. And I think we can just be honest before God in prayer. And I, I want to propose something for all of us to start just these next four weeks. Let's just try it together as a church. That the moment we feel work, worked up, we feel anxious, we maybe have a negative thought. You guys remember the saying that we all learned in school that if you ever caught on fire, what should you do? Stop, drop, and roll. Well, these next four weeks, as we're in this series, let's just do this together. When we feel worked up, when we feel anxious, when we feel negative thoughts inside of us, let's just stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop, and pray. And it doesn't have to be like this big deal or super spiritual. I think, again, just, let's just be honest for a second. And you might be in the middle of the grocery store and you might be walking down the cereal aisle and all of a sudden negative thought comes in and you just stop. Dropping, you just, hey, just pray. And it, it, you're just going with your card and you say, hey, God, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know where that thought came from, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to submit that to you. God, will you give me your peace? And will you help me move past this? And God, give me comfort right now in this moment as I'm sitting here at Harris Cedar. Will you help me? What if we started doing that these next four weeks? Let's just say this week alone, anytime you felt that. Can you imagine at the end of the week what our prayer lives will look like? We'd be talking to God all day. What if we start doing this together? Like you start to feel something, you're on your way to work or you're on your way home and you're getting worked up, you're angry because somebody cut you off and you start having negative thoughts and instead of just being angry and negative, what if you just picked up the phone and called a friend, somebody from your group, somebody that you serve beside, somebody within the church and you say, hey man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm really like on edge right now. I don't know why, but can you just pray for me? In just 30 seconds, a minute, minute or two. What if we just did that for each other in community? We just answered the phone, hey, yeah, I'm here for you, man. Let me pray for you real quick. And we just start reciting some of God's promises over each other. That's why it's so important to open up his word. And I'm not saying you got to memorize the whole book. If you only know one verse, learn that verse and work it. If all you know is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only God, you work that verse, all right? You work it and you just keep repeating it to yourself until you believe it. Because that's how I found out that that's how the faith works. Faith comes from hearing of the word. From hearing of the word. So let's just put this into practice. You might say, oh, well, that's kind of weird. You know what's weird? That we're all anxious. You know what's weird? We're walking around all negative. We have no hope. That's weird. So let's put some of this into practice. We got to stop saying some of the stuff that... Maybe we're saying, right? Paul says, 
pray about everything. And then I love what happens in verse 7. It says, then the peace of God, the message translation says, before you know it, that's how prayer works. You're talking to God, you're being honest with God, and before you know it, the peace of God comes in, and the peace of God, it guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before you know it, Paul's not talking about some emotion called peace. He's not talking about emotion, he's talking about a person. And peace has a name, and his name is Jesus, and his name is Prince of Peace. That should be encouraging for us today. Jesus is guarding our hearts and our minds today. And I believe Paul said hearts and minds because what can be more real than what we feel and what we think? Those are two places that we typically operate from, isn't it? First John 3.20 says that even when the heart condemns you, Jesus is greater than your heart. So even when you feel guilt, even when you feel shame, when you feel negativity in the innermost part of your being, Jesus is greater. Romans 12, 2 says what? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Jesus is guarding our hearts and our minds today. And I like to say you are not what you feel. You are not what you think. You are what God says you are. That's who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are now called righteous. That's who we are. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. The last observation that we see in this is fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Paul says in verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What would you say drives your thoughts? Let's just say this past week. What drove your thoughts? Would you say the news, a political party, or a radio station, Spotify, sports, a relationship, your career, your family? What would you say drove your thoughts this past week? What would you say? Paul says we need to fix our thoughts. A lot of times we want to come in and maybe want to put a Band-Aid on a behavior, but I like to say before a behavior changes, we've got to change our thought pattern. In studying for this message this week, I actually learned something new. I was always told it takes 21 days to form a new habit. Have you heard this before? Well, actually, what I learned this week is it takes 21 days to break the stop at bad habit. It takes another 21 days, so 42 days to actually establish a new habit. And then it actually takes another 21 days, so 63 days, to actually begin a new habit that is going to start a lasting change in your mind. So it takes 63 days, three cycles of 21 days. We got to fix our thoughts. And what does that look like? Paul says in verse 9, we got to put this into practice. So it's not just about knowing it. It's not just about uh, just saying it. But we have to do something. Put it into practice. And this is very close to me. Because I've had to work this out in my own life. Because when I go to the gym, I like to listen to music. I love music. Obviously, you heard that because I love dancing at weddings, right? But when I go to the gym, I'm not the guy who can just like put on Lauren Daigle and just get through a workout. And I have nothing against Lauren Daigle. If she's listening, hey, I think Lauren Daigle's amazing. She puts out great music, but I just can't work out to it, all right? And so I like listening, and my playlist would have 
some hip hop or some rap. And I grew up listening to that stuff. So like Jay-Z and Eminem and Kanye before he started following Jesus. Like that's the stuff I like listening to. I like listening to like 90s R&B and early 2000s, right? Genuine and Mary J. Blige, Alicia Keys. That's my stuff, right? But when I go and I start working out at the gym, I start letting that drive my thoughts for the rest of the day. That's how it start my day. And it's something I constantly am battling. I have to go back and forth, back and forth, because what I've learned is if I go back and look at the rest of my day after I started it that way, I was less patient. I was more on edge. My thoughts were all over the place. I'd never believed the best about people. And I got to step back and ask myself why. Well, look what was driving my thoughts. Look how I started my day. So you might be saying, so you're telling me I can't listen to that music. I'm saying that we got to learn how to discipline our minds. We got to fix our thoughts. So that may mean you might need to start listening to some new music. That may mean you might have to stop watching certain shows and movies. That may mean you can't go to certain places because we got to discipline and fix our thoughts. That may mean that you might have to put some boundaries in some relationships. Earlier when I said we all know somebody who's a, a negative Nancy, that may mean you might have to look at that friend and say, hey, don't bring that drama to me. Don't bring that negativity to me. That's not going to help me move forward. That's not going to help me look like Jesus. That's not going to help me fix my thoughts on what is pure and what is good and what is true. We got to fix our thoughts. We got to fix our thoughts. And you might be wondering, well, what do we fix our thoughts on? All that list that Paul says in verse 8, what is just, what is commendable, what is honorable, we realize when we look at that list, God is all of those things. What is good in this life? Jesus is good. You remember the story in the Gospels? Young man walks up to Jesus and calls him good teacher, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus is good. He's good, church. And I believe that our faith, following Jesus, can be summed up in my favorite verse in all the Bible, Hebrews 12, 2. And it says that looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, how can Christianity be summed up? We are looking to Jesus. We are fixing our thoughts, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter and author of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So how will we fix our thoughts? We will set our eyes on Jesus, look to him. And so when we open up this Bible, it is no longer a book about principles that will help our earthly experience, but it is about a person. It's not about trying harder, doing better. It's about following Jesus and looking at him. And if Jesus walked this way, that's the way that I'm gonna walk. And if Jesus talked this way, that's the way that I'm gonna talk. It's following a person, not principles, following a person. And when we follow a person, Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. And what I've been talking about today is not just positive thinking, not just being about optimism, it's called hope. And I can't think of a better time in today's world than right now that we live in such a broken world that needs hope. And I just wonder, I just wonder if maybe there's some people outside of this room who maybe are maybe thinking about giving God a try or looking at the church and maybe they're just wondering if they'll run into some Jesus followers who show them what real hope looks like. Because hope has a name in this place and his name is Jesus. 
I wonder if they're just kind of looking at the church and just wondering, hey, like, is this all real? I hope that it's beyond ourselves. I hope that even in our circumstances and while our circumstances may not change, everything within us changes because of Jesus. And we'll be able to be be people who look at everything going on around us and we'll say, God is good. Paul starts out this letter to the Philippian church, Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. We'll be able to say those things. The best is yet to come. What is ahead of us is far better than what's behind us. We'll be people of great hope, great expectation, great faith. Because of our, our will, our strength? No, because of Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus. And you may be asking, well, what is this hope? It's called the good news, not bad news, but good news. And what is the good news, you ask? It's that Jesus Christ did for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a middle cross and he was buried in a rich man's tomb. And on the third day, he rose. And when we believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are now in right standing with God. We have a reason to celebrate, church. We have a reason to have hope. Because this is not our home, ultimately. This is not our home. But guess what? We're going someday. We're going someday. But while we're waiting, we're going to bring heaven to earth. And in these moments, what I want to do right now is I want to invite you to respond. You can take that next step card and we all have a next step today. Maybe for you, it's, you've been kind of walking through a situation no one knows about it. You want prayer. I want to invite you to, on the back side of the next step card, write down your prayer request. We want to pray with you. We want to stand beside you. But I would ask this, that you would have the courage on the other side to put your name. I think there's power in being known. There's power in being known. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is you want to join into relationships. You need to find new friends. Start building some relationships within the church. We do that through groups and we do that through teams. Groups are starting back this fall, but today you can join a team. Maybe that's your next step. And maybe for you today, in a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and put your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time today. That may be your next step in the room today. So I want to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. If you would say, I'm here today and I've never heard of this good news. I've never heard about this guy, Jesus. But today I want to put my faith in him. In a second, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. And the reason why is because I believe when you respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it just becomes more real to you. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, if that's you today. If that's you today. Amen. I see you. Amen. Would there be anybody else? Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for these moments that we have together. And God, I pray that this wouldn't just be a feel-good message but that Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, you would change our thoughts. 
can't do this alone. We can't do this without you. So Jesus, we need you. We put all our requests before you. We put everything in front of you. We lay it down. God, we ask that you would give us the strength to live outside of these walls like you. That we will be lights in a world that's full of darkness. That we will be hope to those who are brokenhearted. That everywhere that we go, we make it better. That we represent you well. That our words will be an overflow of what's in our hearts and we will set our thoughts, set our eyes on you, Jesus. That we'll be able to speak words of life, words of encouragement. Jesus, use this church. Use this church to be like a city on a hill. A light for all to see. Jesus, glorify your name through this house, through this church. I pray for the couple in the room today that's raising kids and they just need hope as they raise their family. God, would you give them hope today? I pray for the couple today that maybe things aren't well in their marriage. I pray for hope in their marriage. That your mercies are new every single day and it's not over. You can resurrect any situation. You can resurrect anyone. So we ask for hope for that couple. Maybe for today, you are just needing hope for your future. God, I pray for those who just need hope for what's next in their life, a career, a relationship, a next step. God, I pray for hope to be in this place today. God, we thank you for that. We have a reason to celebrate because you have done what we cannot do for ourselves. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.